I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. My one message to the team was, is I understand Notre Dame. I understand their tradition. I understand the helmet and the logo, but we got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years. And, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. Welcome back, Cowboys and Cowgirls, to the next episode of Ingles and Ian, presented, presented by CowboysRightForFree.com. And, and as always, your good friend of mine, the Admiral of Analogies, Mr. Ian. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm in a fiesta winning mood, my friend. How about that victory? How about it, man? It's fireworks. Yeah, fireworks noises all around, baby. I I thought it was done by the second quarter when it was, you know, uh, 28 to 7. I actually saw a tweet from my friend Alex Dusky that said, uh, you know, the last time I was, he was in the Fiesta Bowl, Stanford, Stanford took a 14 nothing lead and they scored 41 points. And then I kind of... I quote tweeted and was like, can this offense score 41 points against this team? They didn't score 41, but they, they got close. They got close. They should have. I mean, they got that strip lock literally falling into the end zone. Spencer losing the ball at the four-yard line. But something Gunji said was interesting was we went back to our old tempo. Like, it was the decision not to be tempo. And that makes me wonder why the why in all of this beautiful and glorious in this world, why have we not been running tempo all year? And, we, and we've talked about some where they we've sh- they've shown flashes. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you ever seen in Ford versus Ferrari? I haven't. No, it's it's a, it is one of my all time favorite movies. It's literally one of the best movies I've seen in like the last ten years. And there's a scene where they're racing the new Ford GT and Ford has told them they can't take it over 5,000 RPM. In the last X amount of time in this race, for um, Shelby puts up a sign to, uh, oh, can't remember his name now, but he puts it up and says, take it to 7,000. And that's what I felt like in this game where Gundy finally said, done, take it to 7,000 RPM. Go win this as a street fight. Go, go drag race, win this. We're going to out hustle them. And that's what he essentially said in the post-game interview, where he's like, We were in better shape than they were because of and he gave a shout out to Glass, which he very rarely does. And I think Glass is maybe the most important coach we have because what he does to those young men is insane. And it just felt as though, I don't know if it was Gundy pushing it, done pushing it, I don't know what, but it just, in the moment, it felt like someone just said, you know what, screw it, it's over. Let's win this ball game with what we know how to do best. And, you know, Dunn's been here for 10 years. Everyone who, everyone in this coaching staff is used to tempo. And it felt just in the moment where Gundy was like, you know what, screw it. We're going to go to do what we do best, and that's tempo. And it was the last play 
their last drive of the of the first half. And all of a sudden we were to the line, to the line, to the line, to the line over and over again. It was just like, and we, we went 75 yards in four, three seconds is like, yeah, this is what we should be the entire. Time. So I'll say this with the way they're running the defense, it's best to keep them off the field as much as possible. So that's probably the, one of the main reasons why they don't go up to is because they need, because if they do that, then, you know, the offense who like just got off or the defense that just got off has to come back on because you went three plays, 120 seconds uh, for the, the touchdown. So I, I, I don't know. I think, I think they're in such good shape that it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters. It obviously matters, but I don't think in the green scheme of things, it doesn't matter. I, I feel like it matters a little bit, but yeah, sure. But well, let's talk about this for a second. The Cowboys gave up 42 yards in 21 rushing attempts, but gave up 509 passing yards on 68 attempts. The way that Tommy Rees planned this game out for Notre Dame was really good and I think should be given full props because well, in the I've first half, it, absolutely. I've said it the, uh, the weakness of this team on the defensive end is the passing defense, and Notre Dame took full advantage of that. I mean, and to a, to a fault, I think uh, you could say the same thing about Notre Dame because Spencer Sanders decided, hey, I'm going to be good again, which I think I think Spencer Sanders is only good in bowl games. That's what I'm realizing. Uh, he plays his best game the last two years. He's played his best game in the bowl game. So well, he, here's the stat. For his last two bowl games, 61 for 91, 676 passing yards, eight touchdowns, no interceptions, 170 rushing. That's his last two yeah. bowl games. Granted, yeah, most of that. His, those were his two best games. Yeah. So, and he made up for the four interceptions by throwing four touchdowns, no interceptions today. And I'm just like. Against a ball hawking defense, too. Yeah. Like, is this, where? where is Spencer Sanders? Like, this is somebody else. This is a different guy. He only, I, I am convinced that bowl game Spencer Sanders is the best quarterback ever. To uh, I'm partially joking here, but I mean that, he just doesn't make sense. It doesn't, he's so average beyond comprehension and can be terrible in spots. But today he just goes out there, throws 51 times the most we've Oklahoma State's ever asked him to throw the ball this year. No interceptions, 371 yards, four touchdowns. All right. I was going to wait to wax poetic about Spencer Sanders, but I guess I won't. Uh, so he has always been the, he didn't get in the way, so he won. Or he's been the, um, we lost because he threw so many picks quarterback. Mm-hmm. He has never, ever been the, we won the big, we won the game because of him. And that's what he was at the festival. We won the game because Spencer Sanders put that team on his back and won the game. And he, he had a really great line, like amazing line. Let's see. It was um, 34 for 51, 66.7 percentage, uh, 371 yards, uh, four TDs, no interceptions. That's a great line. You that that's a great line for any Oklahoma State quarterback, much less him. And he also put up another 130 on the ground, which was, I think, an amazing thing that he's done. And 
we've always said Spencer is who he is. And after watching that game, I don't know if that's true. I think Spencer has the that other level that we have been saying and hoping he I mean, yeah. we he 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 knew like early on in his career, he would always run. He would run too quick. In the middle part of his career, he would hold and hold and hold and get sacked or make a really bad pass because he was in duress. And if he can replicate 80% of this, just be 80% as good as good as he was in the festival, we might be a national champion. You're doing it again. You're know. doing the hope train thing again. I want you to stop right now. Stop it. Uh, because the defense, I hate to say it, defense is not going to be as good next year. Oh, we're losing a lot. Trey, hey. Story, Trey Sterling's gone. He declared. Um, Malcolm's uh, gone. Malcolm, Devin are gone. I, I'm i not going to speculate. I assume Colby is gone. Um, I I think that, um, yeah, I just, I I think, well, I think Spencer Sanders, he does the Cinderella thing every bowl game. He's going to go back to a pumpkin. He's going to be a pumpkin again, and that's how it works. It's very rare to see a guy like, you know, with Kenny Pickett, who has been pretty average and then explode like he did. That's really rare. And I don't think that that'll happen. That's a fifth year guy. Plus, like with a COVID year, it's rare. I, I will not, I will not deny that. But he showed something to me that is important. He had arguably the worst game he has ever had against Bay. He went back home, figured something out, and was a different quarterback. He was a different quarterback than, than we've seen all season. He was electric. He was, he knew, he knew exactly when to pull it down, which has been one of his issues. He's either gone to the run too fast or hold it too long. He knew exactly when to pull down. He knew exactly when to go. He he was floating passes when he needed to float passes. He was bullying passes when he needed to bullet passes. And I mean, in the first half, he was making a lot of passes and like Tay Martin dropped two easies, like way too, like way too easy pass. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say Spencer Sanders is going to be Kenny Pickett and is going to be that guy. But I think there's a really good chance next year, assuming the majority of the offense stays he can average 400 to 450 yards a game and because he he knew. And it's something I've never seen from him. He knew exactly when to pull down and get. Then, yes, and there were, some, there were some design plays for him that worked really well, and there's some that weren't. But he knew exactly when to go. And maybe that's just a month of practice. Maybe it's the watching, being able to watch film and take a break. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the his special game and he did everything that could be done for him. But if we get 80% of this game from Spencer next year, we're gonna we're gonna put up 45 points a game. And especially if whoever started calling the plays, <laughs> I don't know if it was Dunn, I don't know if it was Gundy, whoever started calling the plays from the last drive from the second quarter on. If we do that again, because that was old school OSU, tempo, 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 we wore them out. Even Gundy said that. I think I've said that before. It's just, if we can do that, 
man, we we got a shot. We got a real shot at a natty, man. I don't even think about the natty, man. Don't even do that. Because you know what happens. You know what happens. Like, don't there's no there's no real shot at a natty. It's just about making a bowl game. That's all that we're worried about right now for next year. Like, I don't even want to think about it. Like, is there I don't think there is a shot at a national title. There's not. There never is. Because we did you see what happened to Cincinnati? Did you see what happened to Michigan? It's not gonna happen. Even if you make the playoff, it's 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 just not gonna happen. It just <laughs> Oklahoma State would have locked down either team. No, they might have given up. No. They might have given no. up twenty-eight in the first quarter, but they would have locked them down in the second. That we might have come stop. back. That, stop! Stop! This team. Don't this, do this. This no. team. This team would have given either Bama or Georgia a run. They yeah, absolutely wouldn't have, because mm-hmm. you know what would have happened. Georgia would have ball hawked Spencer Sanders immediately. Alabama would have done the same thing. And you look like Notre Dame or Michigan State in the playoff. You, you, you. They would have gotten embarrassed. No, I the don't only think... reason, like, if Kyle, do I think they would have won? Down, no. Do I think they would have won? No. No, there would have they... been a run for the money. They would have covered both times. It's, it's just no. Yeah, you, you, no. but you just said they would have gotten embarrassed. I don't think that's true. This defense is too getting... old and too good to be to, to be embarrassed. And yeah, they got embarrassed for you know twenty eight minutes. They and then they locked down the caliber of an Alabama or Georgia team. They faced a Notre, excuse me, Notre Dame team with two of their best who players. Opted number out. five in the country. Yeah, but two of their best players opted out, and who knows how many more. Kyle Hamilton probably would have picked off Spencer Sanders a couple, uh, one or two times. That could have changed the game, and uh, the run, uh, the run, their running back probably would have. Uh, well, I take that back. Uh, he probably would have been shut down as well. So look. I'm, I'm just happy that Oklahoma State won the Fiesta Bowl, but it's a good win. I like what Gundy said about the logo that we played at the top of the show. We got a logo, too. Got to give it up. Yeah. I mean, it is one of the best wins in team history. I don't know if I agree with Gundy that it's the most important win. Um, in terms of brand on brand, it is definitely the most important. Um, and... It carries a lot of cachet. Beating Notre Dame is being that blue blood, and that's something that should be celebrated because the Stanford win, it was a good game. It was kind of a validation of like, hey, we won our You're game. And Stanford was been to the insanely good that year. Yeah. So, but beating Notre Dame is just a little different because it's mm-hmm. the national national brand that it is. They got the NBC deal. They got the whole shebang. They're, they need to join a conference, but they don't. Because they're Notre freaking Dame, you know. Yeah, and and the thing, it just it just means a little bit more to be, you know. It that is like the the hardest and most interesting thing about it. Yeah, we didn't beat them at the top of their game, but they didn't beat us at the top of our game either because we had people who uh, opted out as well, especially on the defensive end, and we we still beat them and. They gave us everything and we gave them everything and we came back and that this game was so important for us. And Gundy said it was the biggest win ever. I don't know if I agree with that, but uh, it was just such a big one. And it was so good to see it because I hate Notre Dame. I hate Notre Dame with everything in my body. I, I don't hate them as much as I hit OU, but it's, pretty freaking close 
You know what's you know what's pretty wild about this game? This game was the second least attended Oklahoma State game this season behind Boise State. It looked extremely empty at that stadium, and I don't know why. I don't know if it was because bad weather came in and people had to drive and they had to miss it because we got like, you know, it, it got cold and snow. You're down in Tulsa, you know what's um, prices over. As someone who flies quite a bit, prices are extremely high right now. Yeah, so, I mean, and then it's like a 13-hour trip to Arizona. So, I don't know who or why that stadium was uh, – I think it was ESPN called, said it was a, a 76% capacity because uh, the total capacity at State Farm Stadium is uh, uh, 65,000, but is what it is. But I'll say this. I know you said you don't like Notre Dame. I like who they got a head coach. Marcus Freeman uh, seems like a really yeah. likable guy. He, yeah. No, I, I think he's – a baller. I, I really think he is. Um, Gundy even said, talked about it, like how he's really smart, really incredible. Um, well, I, I should rephrase. I really hated Kelly. Um, yeah, I, I, on, I honestly believe Brian Kelly should be in prison for making that kid get up on the scaffolding to record oh. things during those high winds. And I honestly believe he should be tried and convicted for at least manslaughter. That dude is a terrible <laughs> human being. Well, there was a story of um, him at Central Michigan with two coaches. I think it was Matt LaFleur and Robert Salah. Uh, I got to find that story. But they said they were having a party, and he made them shovel the snow. Okay, so, I mean, I, uh, I think I mentioned a little earlier that uh, the Brian Kelly story with uh, Robert Salah and Matt LaFleur. Have you heard about the story about the them shoveling? Shoveling snow. Uh, I have some of it, but uh, please remind us because Brian Kelly is a terrible person. Yeah. So he, you mentioned the uh, how he made a kid go up on like some was it like a stand or something? It was a. I think it was a scissor lift. Uh, but it was during very high winds. And the kid yes. died. The dude should be in prison for that. And the fact that he left Notre Dame when they still had a legitimate chance at the cfp just left him in the middle of the night like that is just say what you will about a lot of people gundy would never do that well wasn't their season done their season they didn't, was, have a, they didn't have a game afterward they didn't have a game afterward but they were still number five and if things fell the right way i mean it, it, it's not like they were like number 12 and yeah. no matter what happens if if a very specific thing happened, Notre Dame would have been in the playoff without their head coach. That is a dick move. Just straight up. Brian Kelly's an awful human being. So I'll get back to that snow story. So this is from uh this is from the story in 2019. So almost coming up on the anniversary that it was released by uh Rob Demovsky, who's a staff writer for ESPN. So it starts off like this. On a winter night in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, that's home of the uh, Central Michigan uh, Chippewas, who are Sun Bowl champions, congrats to them, Matt LaFleur and Robert Salah thought they were invited to a party at the home of their boss, Brian Kelly, who was the head coach at Central Michigan at the time. Turns out they weren't on the guest list. They are on the worker list. We shoveled snow and parked all the cars, Salah said. Then at the end of the night, we had to go get the cars again. And then they went back to their tiny apartment to the tiny apartment that, that they shared as graduate assistants and stood around the kitchen table, the one without any chairs. We decided that 
when we're in that position, we are never going to treat people the way we got treated, said Salah. Now the New York Jets head coach, but the time that this was written, he was the 49ers defensive coordinator. And Matt and Maddie, Matt LaFleur, has lived up to that. So when it was announced that uh, Kelly got the job, uh, this was on December 2nd, uh, Robert Salah said the unflattering Brian Kelly story about shoveling snow, uh, snow was taken out of context. Um, and I'll pull up his quote. Uh, he uh, Salah seemingly regrets his mischaracterization. I feel terrible because that whole thing was taken out of context, uh, Salah said to the uh, New York Post. When you're coming up in this profession, part of that article was to tell a funny story of Matt and I as GAs. Part of being a GA, which is graduate assistant, every single coach in this profession profession there's a rite of passage that when you're a ga a quality control coach and that's a funny story and not an indictment on how brian treated us speaking to so i mean i don't know if that's like a and he also said he's a really good man he treats people the right way salah said i know people are probably upset with him now and there's never a right way to do things of that nature i'm always one of his biggest fans so i don't know it's just it yeah it seems like a pretty cruddy move to do but well and, and I'll say this, a lot of people said that about uh, Urban Meyer. We've learned he's just a terrible person. So, I, you mean, well, you don't, I mean, he's always on that grind set, you know? Well, the thing is, you know, especially in the real world where I live, uh, you know, you don't, as much as you hate your ex-boss or whatever, you can't talk that much crap about them ever. You know, I mean, it just is what it is. Like you, you, you can't talk too much, too much crap about them and about your ex company. And, and even people you talk, I'll talk, you know, especially when I was leaving uh, one of my former employers, like, why would you want to leave such a big, important company? I'm like, and I had to choose my words really carefully because I didn't want to like, just talk down about this company that. Yeah, they, they did like good for me, but they did a lot of bad for me. But I'm also like, well, you know, this is why I want to leave, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it feels like it's one of those where they, they decided that they still need jobs. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely think you can make that argument for sure. I mean, just something about these, these college coaches, man, it's wild. And you see, those stories and you're like dang man that's that's not cool um, all right so i want to get back to the game a little bit let's talk about tay he three tds 100 plus yards great final game for him and presley 137 yards mm-hmm. both of them i mean I, I think tay tay's gonna go probably third round i'm guessing um in just he ball well he he made the most of every catch that came to him. Yeah, he dropped a couple of easy ones, even though Ian Gundy even said that. But, you know, he pulls in those TDs um, really great. Presley feels like he is the next Blackman. And we don't generally, wide receivers kind of jump up, uh, jump up on us as uh, OSU fans. But Presley feels like the guy. He is about to just explode. I think he's going to have 1,600 yards next season because I think I think Sanders is about to take the leap. Uh, so I really think he is the next great, you know, Blackman uh, kind of receiver. 
I I disagree with you again. I think uh, there's not going to be a leap from Blackman or not Sanders. So I think the uh, the record kind of stays the same. I'm trying to look at the record for the most receiving yards because you said 1,600. So I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, the record is... uh... Well, uh, 2060. No, no, I'm saying he's he will make that leap into that stratosphere. Yeah. Not not that he's going to break the record, yeah. but I think he's I think Presley, especially because he's so young, this is what his sophomore year, right? Yeah, he's got I mean, unless he goes pro after next season, he's got two more years. I think Presley has a chance to put his name on the record book. Hey, you know, I'm going to. I wasn't trying to say that you were that you were saying he was going to break the record. I just thought 1,600 yards was a lot, so I wanted to see what the what the record was in comparison. So that's that's my but bad. I 1,600 for any wide receiver is any wide receiver in all of college football. 1,600 yards is yeah. pretty good. Only 46 receivers have done that in yeah history. exactly exactly. So I really think. Especially with his little brother coming in, who's going to take his spot in the slot. They're going to move him to, I mean, they're not going to move him all the way outside because he's not the Tay Martin kind of receiver. He's a speedy, Mm -hmm. fast kid, right? Um, They'll probably put him on the inside, uh, the first inside receiver. Uh, A lot of posts, a lot of go routes. And I think he's got a real chance to put up some Big numbers. I think it's a possibility, but man, I just just don't know. I just don't because we said this last year. We're like, this is going to be the year where Sanders goes off. And the year before this is going to be the year Sanders goes off. And it just feels like it won't happen. Well, here's the thing is I don't – Spencer doesn't have to go off for Presley to get 1,600. He just has to be okay. And if – the offensive play calling is what it was this game in some of the last few games where they were like relying more on Spencer and Spencer can actually do that, which I think he can. And I've always told you that number is 65%. If he can hit 65% of the yard or 65% completions, that's where we got to be. And if he does that, Presley will get 1600. He's too fast. He's too quick. And he gets so many yak yards, it's insane. We'll we'll see. I just don't. If it hasn't happened now, I just don't think it will. I know it'll be his fourth year, COVID year, whatever. I just don't think it matters because he's thrown a career high in interceptions. He's also thrown a career high in touchdowns. He's also his completion percentage has dropped a point seven percent compared to uh, the last two years of sixty two point eight. His yards have gone up by 800 yards, and I think that's just from playing a full season. Like, unless unless Spencer gets 3,000 yards, I don't think Presley's going to get 1,600 because at that point, I mean, that's that's nearly 50% of all of his – all the yards. I think Gundy wants to keep it balanced. If 
Uh, oh, well, here's the thing is Gundy's always kept a balance in terms of play calls, run versus pass. Maybe not as much in yards, but in terms of play call, Gundy's always kept a balance. And if, and this is a big if, if we get something approximating Fiesta Bowl Sanders, he might hit 4,000 yards. If you get that every single game, then yes. But here's the thing. You're not going to get it every single game. And he's you're not even going to get him at 75%. He, wasn't, only sh- he only plays well at bowl games. Well, that might be true, but he's shown it once. He has shown it. And he showed he, it once last year, and he, we think he's played terrible this year. So it's, it's, it's the cycle of Sanders, man. You get your hopes up after the bowl game. He stinks. He, it, he plays average a little bit. Play the bowl game. Oh, we think he's good again. It's just a cycle. It's the circle of Sanders. I, I've seen too many times, and we've seen it in quarterbacks. Like Taylor Cornelius couldn't start at Oklahoma State. He started one year for through for four thousand, and he's in the as a now. as a fifth year guy. Yeah, but he he was around for a long time. We see it all the time in college football where a guy is around forever and knows the system, knows everything, comes in and does it. And you know what? The game is starting to slow down. And, and this is a big and, done at least for a two and a tenth quarter, learned how to call plays. If he can, if, if Dunn calls the plays like he calls them in the Fiesta Bowl, where they're they're popping, they're they're going, they're going, boom, 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 like they're doing. Yeah, he can go for four thousand. Maybe, man. Maybe I just don't. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it because he's got to hit three thousand yards first, and he hasn't done that yet. I know. I I, I know. I know. I know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not like outside of my mind going. Yeah, no, I'm I know. Like get get high and like talk crazy. No, you can't talk. I'm not but, saying that at all. I'm just saying that based off of what I've seen, we, we see two different perspectives. You see potential. I see regression or not regression, but just steadiness. That's it. I think he'll hit 3,000 yards next year. I don't have a – or he'll get closer, I guess. But I'm just not – I'm just not ready to do all this. Oh, he's going to be good or he has the potential. Like we know what he is, and he plays well, average. You know I'll what? I'll crow if I'm wrong. So, so he, here's my thing. Um, I lived in Pittsburgh for a long time. I followed Kenny Pickett because I was there. He was just okay. And everyone was like, well, I saw both sides of it. I saw the, he spins it like an NFL quarterback. He should be the next draft pick by the Steelers. They should take the hometown guy. And I also heard the, he's just okay. He's just okay. Just okay. Just okay. And I think Spencer has the chance because he is so athletically gifted to be the guy. I, and I was ready to write him off because he made so many bad decisions and, but he didn't against what you argued was a very, very good defense. And he made almost every right decision. That, that is the important thing I took away from the bull. He made almost every right decision. Well, I, I, I kind of think they just didn't give him that much to risk. A lot of those passes were kind of short. 
No, but if and but if you ice. if you watch him, because I I rewatched a lot of it today, mm-hmm. he went through his progression. There was a lot of third, fourth receivers that he dumped it to. It, there were a couple of the touchdown passes. He went to the third guy, and he did really well. And you, I have been the first to murder Spencer on this podcast, and he did super well against a against an. I mean, granted, I have been the first to say I think Notre Dame's overrated, but still, against the number five team in the country, that dude balled out. And if he can carry that momentum into next season, we might be in for something. This was the exact same thing we said about him last year. We didn't have this podcast last year. No, this podcast, no, but there was the thing where, like, hey, We think Spencer Sanders figured it out. Hey, we think he's going to be pretty good next year. And guess what? He really wasn't. So it it just, it's the definition of insanity, which sure there's a potential. I mean, we, I looked up Mark Whipple, who uh, was the offensive coordinator for Pitt. Took him three years to get this Kenny Pitt, but he was also college coach and NFL experience. Casey Dunn has, I think only college experience. So, okay. He was a running backs coach for the Seattle Seahawks, but Mark Whipple was a quarterback guy. This guy isn't. Casey Dunn is not a quarterback guy. And again, granted, you have Tim Rattay, which he hasn't left yet, has he? He's still there. From all I know, but it, it, but there is this hope, right? The hope, the hope and that, that for whatever reason, Spencer progressed. He made a step forward. And the hope is he doesn't take a step back in the offseason and i don't look spencer is not bryce young he's not those kind of elite level quarterbacks i'm not trying to say but he did have to go through a covid year which sunset is growth, right and i think there is a chance that he will not degress too much during the offseason. i think there is a very good chance because the majority, the majority of people he's throwing to are going to be back. And Tay was only around for a year. So, you know, it is, I think it's really, really good chance that he takes a step forward. Another year under Dunn, Dunn is learning how to call plays. And we've talked about Dunn all year, right? And how little we think of his ability to call plays, but... In the second half of that game, if that is the future of Oklahoma State football, count me in. I'm there. That is a great play call scheme. All right. Fair enough. Um, breaking news. Jaden Jernigan is going to Missouri. Yeah. Um, that's a very tough loss uh, for that OSU defense. I'm, 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 I'm bummed. Obviously, you wanted to keep him around. There was that hope. But he is heading to Missouri. So, Congrats to him. I can't wait to see what he does. But um, yeah, I just found that on the uh, timeline. Just okay. Well, I want to jump to something else. Okay. Since we've been talking about Spencer and the offense and my Malcolm, Malcolm, I... <laughs> bleeping Rodriguez. I I'm not sure, but because uh, I I tried to find it, I didn't, and I couldn't. But he might have played the most games for Oklahoma State ever, and it's got to be up there. Um, he hit 400 career tackles, uh, which is fourth all time, I believe, um, 
he's in my Mount Rushmore of Oklahoma State uh, players. Um, he is the embodiment of what Oklahoma State, the kid who was two and a half stars, came in, worked his butt off, and just went to town. And I, I'm gonna miss him. There are very few players that, because you know, college isn't like the pros. You get to know a player for two or three years, lucky. And you're young, so you don't really understand this as well as I do. But he he is Oklahoma State. He is Oklahoma State. When I think about who I want to embody Oklahoma State, he's it. And uh, his INT in that game, like if I wasn't in my future in-law's house that was all full of Sooners, <laughs> I would have just been screaming. Because I was so excited you got that. I was so excited. Oh, yeah, dude. I literally screamed Malcolm. Like, I was like, holy crap, I can't believe that happened. Because I was... But the thing is, you watch, if you watch the coverage, I, I saw it coming. And he, he pushed up to the line and dropped back. And the quarterback didn't see him drop back. And he threw it because he didn't expect Malcolm to be there. Malcolm just, it was almost like it was thrown to him. It was so good. Yeah, I, it was phenomenal. Was not, did not see that happening because uh, I, I only watched it once, the game once. So that was just a. And, and a Malcolm had uh, 11 total tackles, one interception. I mean, that is just. That's Malcolm numbers, baby. And you and you called it. You called it. You said he'd be the defensive player of the game and he was voted a defensive player of the festival. Man, that was something else from something and from someone I'm just used to seeing greatness from and I love seeing greatness like that and that was just super cool like I was but it it just seemed like it was going to happen like no matter what happened and we've talked about this like when you got snubbed for the uh you know best defensive play of the year award like it felt like he was gonna go off and he did and it's every time that it's been his time to shine, he's shown. He has shown. And I love it. And there are three or four teams that if they draft him, I will walk to their stadium and burn it down because I don't want him, like his career being destroyed. Name the teams. I want to hear the teams. You said Cleveland? Cleveland. Okay. Uh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Uh, Carolina. You don't want him with Chuba? They're t- that team is Awful. I live in Charlotte. That team is yeah. awful. You get to see him. You get to see him. I want him to make a lot of money and to be great. Mm-hmm. And if he comes to Charlotte, he will make a lot of money, but not be great. Okay, so you said Cleveland, Carolina, Jacksonville. What's the fourth team? Um, if Pittsburgh drafts him, I will hate because I've hate what they've done to Mason and Washington. Um, because I, for a long time, I was in Pittsburgh and I got to see just how poorly they treated those two guys. And um, I mean, granted, Pittsburgh is a defense first, whatever, but still, they have treated Oklahoma State guys like terrible things. And I hate it. So uh, those, those are the four teams I would just be like, nope. But you know where, you know, any, of, any, any other, any other team drafts him. I'm buying that jersey. I I own zero NFL jerseys. 
the team that drafts Macklemore Rodriguez, if they're not on that four, I'm buying that jersey tomorrow. So you know where I think he'd be really good at? You Where's might hate that? this New England. Oh no, that makes perfect. I think sense. he'd be. I think he'd be great in New England. Yeah, he'd be great in New England. Uh, yeah, actually, that would that would be really good for him. Uh, especially with the way Belichick schemes those linebackers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, I, he I, works. He does well with small white guys. I mean, granted, that's usually at receivers, but he works with linebackers too, probably. But the other thing is, Belichick likes guys that are polished, and mm-hmm. there aren't too many six-year inside linebackers who have proven themselves year after year like Malcolm has. He is legitimately the in Oklahoma State in Oklahoma State history, he's the best his period. Yeah. I uh yeah, I think he probably goes down as one of the best linebackers in Oklahoma State history, if not the best. Uh you think he's the best defensive player in OSU history? Because I think Leslie O'Neill would like a word on that. He's up there. Um, in my personal Mount Rushmore of, you know, Oklahoma State players, and this is more of a personal thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my top, my Mount Rushmore of Oklahoma State players is Brandon, Mason, Malcolm, and Quinn. Okay. Mine has, uh, oh, the walk on Bo Hardy. <laughs> we went to high school together. Dom Richardson, who we went to, uh, who I went to middle school with, and uh, probably uh, Colby Harvell Peel and Trey Sterling. I like both of those guys. Uh, it, Colby, Colby's fumble play, first off, that was my, one of the most underrated plays of the game. And I feel like that needs to be talked about more. He just snatched that sucker. That was a great, with amazing play. Like, you're right. You're right. That is, he just pulled it out. Pulled it out. He's like, mine. Yeah. It was. Great, and that was phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. And and Gundy, the way Gundy talked, we've got the logo. I and, hope that translates to the next round of kids. I mean, to you, I one more thing. I hope that the scripted logo comes the logo forever <laughs> on the helmets. I hope we never wear anything else but those helmets, and maybe the occasional throwback. The scripted helmets need to be the the go to from now on because those are the best helmets. Yeah. So. That message, um, I mean, we talked about this. I'm, I'm 37, you're 20. Uh, we've talked about how the message and that message of we have a logo. That is so amazing. I would never have thought to have said that. And I, I have coached. I have coached high school girls basketball Um uh, I have, would never have thought to have talked about brand. And he went out to everyone who's going to come back next season, to everyone who's going to the NFL, because we know, we know a lot of our former OSU athletes, especially in golf, they carry the brand. Ricky Fowler, all of his clubs have the OSU logo on. Yeah. Victor Hovland has the OSU logo on his. Uh, Matt Wolf. Has your OSU logo on his? He he took it to the next level and saying we have a brand too. We are Oklahoma State. He made it the narrative of we are just as good, if not better than than Notre Dame. We are Oklahoma State. That was I in all honesty, as much as I love everyone on the field. 
And I will love that game. That game will live in my mind for as long as I live. Him saying that on top of it was perfection. It was, we are Oklahoma. We are better. He basically, he didn't say it without saying it. We're better than Oklahoma. We are Oklahoma State. And I loved it. And I will carry that to my grave. I loved that so much. He was so spot on. He it is something we've been talking about how he's been so in tune with things. And I loved it. I loved, I loved every moment of it. And no, no other coach in the country could ever get away with saying we have a logo. Mike Gundy, he is secure in the fact that he is Oklahoma State's coach. And he's like, you know what? F you. We got a logo too. Nailed it on the head. Nailed it on the head. So uh, should be wrap up because my uh, internet connection is also kind of fading out too. So one thing I do want to hit on, um, very minor, but uh, mm-hmm. Jalen Warren. So yeah. I did say I thought he was going to impress NFL scouts because he was going to run for a lot of yards. Mm-hmm. Um, he did not run for a lot of yards, but his runs were very good. But he did something else that really impressed NFL scout is that he played great pass defense or yeah, pass, you know, pass offense, pass offense. Yeah. He, he picked up so many blocks for mm-hmm. Spencer. Like he was just amazing. Like in, and it was just one of those things where like, that's what an NFL running back does. They, they do what they're called to do. No, I mean, 19 carries, 82 yards is impressive. Uh, I liked uh, he, he was getting some yards after contact, which I really liked. So, well, and the thing, the thing that was great about him, and it's, I mean, it's been true all season, but when someone hit him, you heard it. Like he mm-hmm. hit him, it was like you heard that, that, that wet pop of pads versus pads, you just pa. And he was just, he was running so hard and I just, but him just, he knew it was his last game and he gave his body to protect Spencer. And I think that's going to go a long way for him. I think he's going to have a, you know, maybe not all pro caliber NFL career, but I think he's going to have a very good NFL career just because he's strong and physical. And, you know, that's what we hope for everyone. Everyone who comes to Oklahoma State, is, we hope they are wonderful here. And at least for me, I don't care whose team's logo they care carry. If you're an Oklahoma State guy, that's my team. I don't care anymore. I don't have any NFL affiliation anymore. I just, those are my guys. Well, I've been wearing most of this podcast with a Bronco hat. So, uh, whoops. Um <laughs> I mean, look, I'm always going to root for OSU guys, regardless, with with a few exceptions of where they go. But, uh, yeah, it, it'll be fun to see where this batch of talent goes because I think you, there's a couple of guys in there that can draft picks. I don't want to say, like, high draft picks because you never know, but. Uh, I, I think Malcolm's going to go high-ish, probably second round, third uh, round. Oh, I was not thinking that at all. I was thinking sixth or seventh because no, I think he's, he, he's so undersized. He's so he's, undersized. He's too that, fast. He's too fast. Second or third round. I don't know. Again, granted, I it, haven't looked his at his numbers. Like, his numbers support second or third round. I got to look at NFL draft boards, man. I PFF big, big board. I might need to do this off air, but yeah. 
Anyway, cowboys and cowgirls, thank you for coming out once again to Ingles and Ian. Uh, and hopefully in the new year, we'll be back to our normal schedule of Mondays and Thursdays. But if not, oh, we will be. <laughs> there is no if not, we will be. <laughs> and thank you for being with us this entire time. We do appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Hope you stay tuned. I mean, uh, we'll talk basketball, but I think they're on a COVID break. I, I know their game against Texas Tech got canceled, but I'll look up their basket. I think their men's basketball just lost to Texas – or women's basketball just lost to Texas. Yeah, their first game is uh, Tuesday against uh, six-ranked Kansas at home. So That would be a fun one. There's that, yeah. Eight o'clock. Anyway, but anyway, until next time, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>